Welcome back to the Crooked Spine Show. Bullying doesn't occur just in junior high, high school, or elementary school. It occurs in the workplace too, especially in large companies. Today's guest is Tammy Dunnett, a communication coach and nurse. She helps people affected by bullying reclaim their reputation and confidence by learning communication skills. We'll talk about her pause model in the interview today. Veteran clients can get more out of their careers and life. In the highlights today, we talk about exactly her personal story of dealing with bullying. This is why she does this as a career now. And how work policies don't work to help people prevent bullying. Also, too, when you're looking for a new job, what to look for. Do they actually have policies in play to help people avoid being bullied or things like that or sexually harassed? Also, too, in the talk, and talk about how bullying affects the family once you go home, how to affect your family, your home life, people around you. And also, Tam, Tommy ta- uh, Tammy talks about, too, her new client assessment and how she's going to help you through her client uh, process. And then once you learn her skills, then she allows you to learn how to communicate, not conflict with your coworkers and other people around you. Also, too, she talks about her success stories at the very end with personal people like her spouse that I can relate to very, very well and other family members, too. So you can take this communication skills beyond your workplace to your life overall. And her final thoughts at the very end. So enjoy the talk, my friends. Connect with Tammy on her Facebook, Instagram, even on her website, too. And go to her Facebook page. Learn weekly how to help conflict in your life. All right, so enjoy the talk, my friends. Hope Tammy helps you understand how to live a healthy life even at work. Have a great week, and I'll see you next week. All right, we are here live again. This is I'm Dr. Tony at U Chiropractic Clean Upland. I'm a chiropractor, but also more importantly, a host of Crooked Spine Show with Tammy Dummett. She has actually done a great job understanding how to help mostly women who are professionals stay in their workforce, stay productive workers by helping them understand how to get through and recover and reclaim their productive lives once they've gone through a bullying episode and be bullying that work. It happens a lot. Big companies do a great job, great job covering it up. Big companies do, that I've seen. So my thing is, how do we not take an open book, get things moving so we understand if it happens to you, how to see it? And even a family member also, hey, you're going through this. Tammy has these these ways to help you deal with it. A lot of it is what I've seen in my patients that have gone through it, the stress they experience. And the frustration, like Tammy had mentioned before the show, that they can't find a way to deal with it and still do their job. So Tammy, take it over. Tell us, tell us exactly, and she can emphasize because she actually went through this before. Tell us your story first, if you don't mind, of what happened to you. Yeah, well, thanks for inviting me, Dr. Tony. I think it's such an important conversation because as you share, shared, it shows up in the body and our bodies won't lie. When we are under a lot of stress, there's a lot of tension and I definitely used my fair share of um, therapeutic modalities, chiropractor, massage, and all sorts of stuff to help keep this body functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but my personal story is that I was under a workplace bully for four years, but mm-hmm. I didn't know it. And I think this is actually really quite common in the workplace is we just label our bully as a bad boss, someone okay. who's been promoted but not trained, um, a micromanager. Uh, and then if we just kind of, you know, like stay under the radar, we'll be able to navigate these, this kind of storm without too much collateral damage. And I didn't know what a bully was, which sounds almost ridiculous as I say it now, because we all know what a bully is, but when we're experiencing it in the workplace, we tend to rationalize away our experience because, I mean, look at all the TV shows, uh, the sarcasm that's used, the passive aggressiveness that's used, and things that we laugh at or, uh, you know, we don't recognize as bad behavior. So it wasn't actually until the two-year mark 
mm-hmm. when a colleague during coffee had said to me, I'm really glad I got to know you. And I was like, okay, cool. But that's really weird. No one's ever said that before. I mean, I'm a cool kid, but you know, yeah. <laughs> there was something in the back of my mind that thought it was an odd oh. statement. And I just asked her why she had shared that. And she goes, because our boss warned me about you when I first came here. And she mm-hmm. came to the workplace after me. That's when I knew I had a bully because she was, I mean, I knew my reputation was struggling and suffering, but I didn't know to what extent until that moment. Wow. Yeah. And then when you, once you realize that, how did you then change your perception of how I'm going to deal with this now? What's, what's my next step? I'd like to say I had it all figured out at that point. Um, but what I was doing previous to that moment, I just did louder and stronger and harder afterwards. Ah. I thought, oh, I've got a bully. I need to like fight harder. I need to stand up more. I need to like express myself and be assertive uh, even more. And I took every opportunity I could to point out her fallacies, to fill in grievances, to do all the things that policy told me to do. Policy mm-hmm. meaning being the work, the, the company's ways you deal with HR, with how to get through it how to make sure it's documented properly, things like that. That's right. Follow all the processes. Everything that's available to you, you should follow, but it didn't change anything Mm. because the problem was between us Uh, and the only solutions that were offered were two. Medical management, which, as you know, our bodies need medical support, but if we can get upstream to prevent that, fantastic. So it was stress leave, um, sleeping medications, anxiety medications, antidepressants, And then there's the organizational management of remediating the problem, a.k.a. me, the employee that has a voice and is speaking up. Mm. So the solutions were not actually dealing with the problem that me and her had. It wasn't dealing with with the root cause of the problem versus, hey, this is an issue where we're we're not on the same page. Why am I being, if you want to call it, the the, the guilty party versus... Mm -hmm. We there, there can it be also upper management to where okay, is there something there that not only because that because I would think if I am this head honcho of a company, I have a problem with someone telling me my management is a problem, I want that fixed because that's going to affect everything down the line, everyone else around that that person is involved in versus that employee saying what's going on. Yeah, and here's here's the problem I mean, organizations are trying to be receptive to this and they have policies and procedures and workplace of respect and whistleblowers and anti-bullying policies. But all that education in the world isn't actually implementing change Mm. because people don't know how to have hard conversations. Got it. Okay. When I went through my situation, I knew the answer had to be between me and my harasser and I was asking for mentorship and I was asking for people to support me and how do I have these conversations? But everyone would say, it's not my job. Um, I know what's happening, but I have no power to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I kept getting all these messages that there was nobody there to support me. And that's, and I, I want to, here's what I'm going to say. It's not their fault because they weren't trained how to do it. They didn't it's almost, here's the policy, right? Here's, here's what we say we do. We don't actually do this. We don't have this. We don't, we don't know how to act this out. We don't know how to actually apply this, this policy. Yeah, no one's taught how to have a hard conversation or to to mentor to somebody and say, let's role play this out and see how this could work. Mm-hmm. And let's give you some tools in your conversational strategies to mm-hmm. maybe approach it from a different angle. It's all about it's somebody else's job, whether that's HR or it's a grievance department. It's like it's compartmentalized out, but it's a holistic problem. There's no accountability at that point. No, that not point. really. And if you're telling me someone's saying, Go on, stress sleep, take medication for sleeping. You're making the employee now, uh, if you want to call it less healthy, a less quality of life, 
is that going to make their productivity better or worse? It's you're, you're almost you almost not only banding you're not even banding the problem, making the making the problem even worse. Yeah. Oh yeah, my productivity was I'm sure down, even though I kept showing up at work knowing. I deserve a good workplace and I can still do the work. As you mentioned, I can still do the work, but I can't do it in this environment. And I wasn't going to let her take me down, but let me tell you, she she took me down and I didn't even notice it because I was too busy fighting for what Mm. I thought was right. But I didn't see that I was actually suffering. Mentally, physically, the body was just wearing itself out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It wasn't until one morning I went to get dressed. I looked at my closet and I just, I crumbled and I was crying and I was shaking and I called the doc and I said, I, I can't come, come into work. You know, I was hyperventilating. And he just said to me, is today the day? Meaning, will you take the antidepressants now? And I'm like, I said yes. But when they came to my house, I did not take them because I don't believe that was the answer. Did I need it? Probably 100% at that point. I still refused because to me, the answer was in the relationship and not about medicating me to make me numb to the harassment, which has become the norm. And what I like is that hearing your story and now being a voice for women that, especially women that need this help, gives them a that accountability. Hey, I have someone on my side that can help me walk through this. Doesn't matter where I work, or what company I work with, or who my boss is. I now can get the steps to deal with it. Not so it doesn't affect me personally, my personal health, but also hopefully make me also get super productive and, and help the company understand this is a company-wide problem, not just not just the one-on-one problem. Yeah, yeah. I had nobody. I would have loved it if even just one person could have validated my experience. Yeah. Or, but there was nobody. In fact, so it was my direct supervisor I was struggling with. To go above her, that person would cancel my meetings and always make me go back to my supervisor. And I would say to her, like, this is the reason I'm coming to you. I'm looking for mentorship. Yeah. I'm looking for guidance because I'm struggling and I didn't have support. It's, it's one of those things to where they just didn't want to deal with it. And they said, well, we can, was it, was it, is it something to where you probably see us more in common too with other people is the big picture is, Hey, that person is replaceable. Let's worry about the company. Let's not worry about the person. I'm not, I'm not here to mentor you. I'm going to make sure my job is secure. My retirement secure. So I don't have to worry about other people. Is it something to where people should look for jobs that that you walk in the door saying, being transparent, like, hey, look, I'm looking for mentorship. If there's a problem like this that's happened in the past. How do you normally deal with this? Is it something to where it's more open but question when you go for a job employment, or how does that work? That's a really good question. I think when people look for new jobs, they're really hesitant to talk about their experiences in the past. Okay. I certainly was. And my job was with the military, so I couldn't just quit. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, um, it was a six month request to leave. Like, would you please let me go? And I'm going to be here for six months until you say yes. So it actually was four months into that process. And every day I kept um, insisting I have a safe workplace to the point that I was actually working in the library, not even in my office. And they would phone me every morning to make sure I was there, which was insulting. But that's another story (laughs) because I thought my work ethic could speak for itself. But um, so when you go for a new job, it's a really tentative topic, right? So how do you find out you have a culture that's safe, that's going to be mentoring you? Um, I wouldn't bring that up specifically. I would just ask them, what do you do when, as opposed to say, I struggled with this. What do you do when a colleague has an issue with somebody? How do you guys deal with it? Good. Good. Especially if you're, if they're coming after you, recruiting you, okay, now I'm, my balls in my, in my, my pocket at that point. Okay. Now I'll, I want you to hire, you, you want to hire me, but, 
I want to make sure you have, I'm here for the long run. I want to help not only mentor others, but also be mentored. Mm -hmm. And is safe. Is this by these standards, a safe workplace? Yeah, that's a tough conversation to bring forward. And I think I do have a video on YouTube. So I have a, a, yeah. a nurse minder station. And on there I have what's called Start Positive. Okay. And that's a strategy you can use to share the story, tell who the, the common players were. So what was who was involved? And then what was the action you took? What did you learn from it? So what was your takeaway when you reflect on it? So it's normal. People in, in an interview, just in speaking of that, they're expecting you to have conflict in the past, but they want to know what you did with it. Good. So that's how you would reference it. So, yeah, you know, I had struggled with my boss in the past. It was about this situation. Here's what we tried to do. It didn't go well for me. And here's what I'm going to learn or here's what I learned um, to do the next time so I can be successful. They want to see growth. And a lot of it is no company is perfect, right? No. No relationship is perfect. Every, every relationship is a, is a I mean, every, every company is a department of people that are coming from different parts of the world, city, lifestyle, economic, everything. So it, it, how do you now blend that together to make it a better situation for everybody to be productive in that company? But when you get to the point where there's, for example, racism or sexism or harassment, mm -hmm. that, that should be policies in play just for the company's liability sake alone and also someone to enforce that to be accountable for. And when someone's not accountable, they go, oh, we have it, but we've never really dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they probably dealt with it, but probably in a negative way of let's fire somebody. Let's some let's let somebody quit. That's a reality, right? Mm -hmm. So that is definitely a reality. If the CEO and the management is not interested, then you have to make a decision. Either you stay and you find a way to stay within this context where you find racism, sexism, harassment, or you leave and you create your exit plan to go. Sometimes that does that decision is made for you because they come to you before you get to make that decision. That's unfortunately the reality mm -hmm. in some organizations. I know in the States, it's different than in Canada. Um, and each state is different as well in terms of where they're at, in terms of protecting the employee work to rule states versus um, the others. Uh, in Canada, we do have a lot of policies to protect employees, but mostly unionized, non-unionized private places. They don't have the same. Uh, it would take an employee taking them to court. And that's an awful lot of effort, investment and time and money. Well, a lot of it is, I think, like you're, you're saying too, if you're proactive about it and can read it off the bat correctly, then you're on the, and I'm called the offense, but you're now going, you're, you're going how you want it to go versus letting them come to you. Hey, look, you have, you have two, two weeks to clean out your, your desk. Mm -hmm. What happened? You know, so you're, you're avoiding that defensive mechanism versus going, okay, I see it coming. What's happening? Let me talk time to take care of this. Yeah, every step is a choice. And I think that's maybe something I didn't know before because before I was too busy trying to make her see me as valuable because I knew I had that. I was definitely a good worker, but my efforts were focused on changing her. Got it's it. about what can I do in this moment to choose different, choose better, choose me, right? So, and your experience too, how many people have you worked with where the boss is actually, the, the person who's harassing or bullying has actually changed? Oh, a lot. Good. So this is fascinating. I'll share with you a quick story. Um, when I took a bunch of nursing students into a clinical practice, so a student in a hospital is like the lowest priority. They don't even count, quote unquote, right? They're free labor. Any, yep. Yeah, they don't have any pull. They were having real challenges with a healthcare aid. So now a healthcare mm -hmm. aid is, again, 
healthcare aid, nurse, manager. So they're not yeah. at the top of the hierarchy either. But in terms of this placement, this healthcare aid is permanent staff. Uh, and she would make these comments that would make my students fear her. So they wouldn't actually come to her for support. They would go find somebody else down another wing and pull that person off away from their patient load to come and help them. This person, after I witnessed this comment that she'd made, I talked to my students, I talked to the staff, I gathered my information, and then I approached this person and I just shared with her. You know, I noticed in the report, you said this, do you know the impact that's had on my students? Zero insight. What wow. she said was so offensive, I couldn't imagine anybody else not being offended. Um, so once I shared that with her, she was incredibly um, humbled. She felt horrible. She went and apologized and she made herself available. Like she was over, like, I'm here for you. I want to support you. She had no idea. Wow. Most of the time they don't. Well, it's something where they just don't see it. Because nobody has told them before. What? Because we're in a culture where if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's how we're raised. Right. And that extends into the workplace. When mm -hmm. I went through my own building experience, I was told if you file this paperwork, you will look like you're the problem. Right. So don't say anything if you have nothing nice to say. Intimidation factor also. Um, I guess by definition, potentially, but I think their intention was to help save me and keep my reputation because of that, you know, how we're raised. You need to look like you can get along. It's a performance check mark on your yearly evaluation. Mm. Yeah. And, and hopefully at this point being 2021, have things started to change, say, in Canada and the U.S., or are things still hush-hush? It's probably both. I'd like it's moving. I'd like to think it's shifting forward. Um, but it takes people losing their voice. If we mm -hmm. continue to stay silent, if we continue to recognize or to ignore the signs like I did, I didn't know them. And I think that's a lot of what we have to do now is educate people on what are the signs of bullying. But more importantly... The difference between a bully and a bad day. Because we all take on behaviors of what a bully does. We roll our eyes. We sigh. We, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, yeah. like we have times when we feel like less than collegial. What is your intention, though? Is your intention to really say, I'm struggling? Or is your intention to say, you suck? Because that's yeah. different. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we have to get to is the behavior is important. The intention matters. The impact is what we measure. Okay. And then over a period of how many, I mean, if there's a number, how many days, weeks, is it okay to have a bad day per se? Mm, oh, that's a good question. I don't know if there's a percentage you can say, because I think yeah. we're all at risk of having a bad day. I mean, you get stuck behind a train on the way to work and your patients are not happy with you when you come in a half hour late. You get a phone call that your mother is sick with, maybe COVID. Uh, you know, your dog gets out on your way. Like you just, there's so many things that can put us at risk for a bad day but we have the power inside us to choose. We're only just one thought away from changing our personal bad day into a better day. And so and, that's and there's a sense of being professional too at that point. Can I, can I be professional today or is it better not to go to work because I can't be a professional today? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's self-awareness. That's at mm -hmm. the root of a lot of this. Good, good, good. And how much, again, looking at recruitment, looking at a job per se, do you look at how much training they do as a new employee to understand if you want to call it their big picture of the company of you want to call it being professional, what professional is and how much, what is good to say, what is not good to say? How much training should they get? Yes. Or what, what's a good average? Should that help the person decide 
and the amount of training, if that's company for them or not. Okay. So I think if you get hired in a new job and there's zero onboarding, that's a warning yeah. sign. <laughs> red flag. Yeah. Like if they don't have the time to invest in you to make sure you're successful, what's the chances they're going to invest in you when things hit the fan uh-huh. and you need support? Probably it's not. almost your, your first date is always the best date, correct? Yeah. Your first date. So at that point, the second, if the first date doesn't go well, eh, it's probably lose the guy, lose the guy or girl's number. You're done. That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. <laughs> we talked a little bit earlier too about the emotional state and, and how that affects the overall body as a spouse of someone that, or a girlfriend, boyfriend that is dealing with that, with that harassment, that bullying in the workplace, what could they look for to help see signs that, Hey, you're just not doing well. Is your work the problem? Oh, such a great question because we know that what impacts us impacts all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. So if we're struggling at work, we're struggling at home. Mm-hmm. If if you're not seeing the same person you normally see when they come in the door at the end of the day, uh, they're a little bit crankier. Maybe they're withdrawn. Mm-hmm. They either don't want to talk about work or they talk too much about work. They can't stop talking about work. But what you notice is a shift. I think that's probably the biggest thing is yeah. they've changed. And if home life has been good, then it's probably work life that's causing that change. And so that would be a good time to check in and say, what's going on at work? Where are your struggles? Where are your successes? That's like the, when you see that variable, just like, okay, if you've shifted. It's been more than a couple of days. What's going on? And mm-hmm. would you also notice like a lack of sleep or too much sleep? Um, if you want to call it even alcohol use or even mm-hmm. diet changes. See, like you mentioned changes, changes in their mm-hmm. diet, changing their sleep habits, mm-hmm. changing their mood all the time too. Yeah, they're shorter to get uh, anger. They are waking up at night. They're not sleeping. They're not rested. Uh, diet definitely changes. Some people will gain weight when they're stressed because they eat too much, or others will just not eat and lose weight. Um, things that you won't be able to see is the ruminations in their head, right? What do you mean? So the noise, the stories they keep telling themselves about how they're struggling, they're frustrated, they're maybe they're the problem, whatever it is that's happening inside the head. For me, when I went through it, my noise never stopped when I was at the height of it. I couldn't find peace anywhere. I'd go for a walk and it was just constant replaying of moments and how am I here and how are you struggling and why can't you figure this out? That's the stuff you can't see. And so that's the, I guess, the conversations, where do they go? Can they have a coherent thought and carry on a conversation with you or do they jump all over the place because their mind is doing that? Wow. When you see someone like this and they're go, they're, they come to you, Tammy, what is your assessment? How do you work your assessment? How do you see if they're a good client for you, uh, where they are, and how you can help mm-hmm. them? Yeah, so when I'm assessing people to come into my program, the first thing I'm doing is assessing accountability. Do they see any ownership? Do they see anything that they can do, or is it all external? They're the issues. They're the problems. They need to change. If they're stuck in the external looking, then they need bigger support than I'm going to offer them. I would recommend then they check in with psychology, psychiatry, counseling. That's really helping them with that perspective. If they can see that they still have power and they go, yes, I know I can do this or those kind of shifts, uh, that they're still recognizing responsibility and ownership is probably the better word, ownership, then I definitely know I can work with them and train them to use the conversational tools to shift things around. Do you give them like a, a, if you want to call it a written assessment of their emotional state, physical state, what their habits are, how they change their habits, things like that, or is it more and more of a one-on-one interview? How do you usually work your assessment? Mm -hmm. It's definitely a one-on-one interview, and I go through a whole host of questions to find out what their um, current issue is. 
what their ideal vision would be and what the gaps are. So from that, I can identify whether or not I'd be the right next step for them or if I would refer them on to something else because I, mean, I can't solve every problem, but I can definitely help you solve your communication problems. And, and with that too, when you're, when you're interviewing them, do you listen to their tone of voice, their, if you want to call it, their, how much they, how fast they talk and, and what the kind of words they use, they pause and words. You, do you look at that too? Only in the terms of uh, have I created safety for them? Because, yeah. I mean, so my background, I'm a nurse and an educator. And so safety is like inherent. When I come into the room with somebody as a nurse, they trust me right away. And I can do all sorts of, you know, I get right into the skin as I'm talking to them about their assessments and stuff. But on the phone, talking about relationships, I have to build that trust really quickly. That's what I'm looking for. If I feel like there's hesitation, I have to stop and make sure I can close that gap. And I just let them know, like, in this hour, my whole mission is to serve you and find out what your next best step is. And you're going to have a plan, whether it's with me or somebody else, it doesn't matter. You'll have a plan as to what you need to do next to get out of where you're at to the next step. So I'm really looking more for the trust. And with that, too, with your clients, do you do you find a time during that hour or even afterwards, too, that you go, okay, maybe this company isn't for you. It's time to leave or or can we can work with what's what you have at the company? It's really their choice. Okay. I talk about the choice, right? So what do you want? Whether you stay or you go does not matter to me. It's about if you're going to stay, we need to put some things in place so that your mental health is not being sacrificed, that your physical health is not being sacrificed, and that you can at least feel like you have some control and put some boundaries in so that when this stuff comes to you, it just washes off. Like you don't have yeah. to own it. So it's really about what do you want? And then I'm going to help you create the path, the plan and the pathway to get there. So you want them to almost have a good physical mental state going into their their occupation, their workforce, so they can they can handle that stress level and not be stressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. why I feel like you are so important because sometimes we need external resources mm -hmm. to supplement what I do with my with my people as well in the coaching program. I will actually say to them, like maybe you need to go and check in with your doctor and get some medications for sleeping because this is something that's impacting how you can show up the next day. So we need to bring in a total approach to this. Well, I think you said mentioned your account accountability responsibility. You have to go for your own self first, and then let's see exactly where, where the chips fall. And yeah. once you've done that and seen that person, okay, now they've taken responsibility, they're accountable. They've made some lifestyle choice to make their body healthier and their mind healthy so you can handle that stressors of work and not feel stressed. What's the next step then, Tammy? Yeah, so the first thing we work on is self. Okay. Uh, it's it's the first uh, quarter of every, it's a 12-month program I work with people. So it's all about self, first of all. What am I bringing to the conversation? How do I show up in a conversation? What tools am I currently using and what do I need to add to my tool belt? So it's all about mastering self first. Then we look at the problem and then we look at the other person. So we're transitioning to taking what we learn about self to put it into our relationships so that we can have a better outcome. And I like the 12th month window because then you're making someone their lifestyle, their person better. Now they know who they are. Now they know, okay, if I'm going to deal with this, let's deal with this now that I'm, now that I'm here versus mm -hmm. if you're down here and you're desperate and you're anxious and you're not feeling you're eating well, you're not, then you, you're, you're not being responsible in your own self then you can't see that we're exactly where things are. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You've got to take care of yourself first. It's the priority. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Could be for most people. I mean, I can't, I can't do my job unless I stay healthy. Mm -hmm. you know, it just, it's something to where we have to, in my sense, if you're not healthy enough to take care of, to do that level of stress of your work, 
then you're it's you're not responsible for your own personal health. You know, I had mm-hmm. someone come today. He's 31 years old, right? He says he works at UPS. He's beat up. He's tired. I'm like, yeah, but I'm old. I'm like, dude, you're 31 years old. You have two more lifetimes to live at least. Let's get yourself healthy now by doing some stretching, doing some working out. First, when you're in your 20s, you're invincible. You can have three Red Bulls at that point, have a cheeseburger at lunch, and you're fine for the rest of the day. I can't do anything more. I'll take a nap every day. That's so where you, you learn that, I think, as, as if we learn it younger to stay healthy, then our jobs get easier because we're not as stressed at the end of the day. And not just Monday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, fourth, Thursday, or Friday, or when there's an audit, or when there's something that has to be done immediately. You're not yeah. you feel that pressure. Yeah, once you've gone through that, Tammy, too, how do you then communicate, for example, with that person's company or help them guide them process dealing with, okay, now a situation, how do we get through this situation? That's like that's an individual. Yeah. So it's really found founding on choice. So yeah. when we have conflict, we tend to have a dominant lean as to how we we enter into it, right? So for me, I'm a speaker. I'm like total, I want to talk about it, I want to resolve it, we need to fix this. You know, the old thing, don't go to bed, angry kind of thing mm-hmm. used to be how I led, although I go to bed angry now, that's fine. But I still want to talk about the issue and resolve it. Knowing where you start is so important because then you can identify where you need to go, like the pieces that you've missed in the conversation. I have this whole model called, I actually was just teaching on it this morning, nice. the pause model. Um, yeah. So there's yeah. like four different styles of conflict engagement. So I'm actually encouraging people to abandon and put aside the labels of, um, assertive, aggressive, uh, non-assertive, passive, all those kind of things. Put those labels aside because labels have actually kept people stuck. Right. right. So, so assertive has been the gold standard. You need to be an assertive communicator. I am an assertive communicator and I still got myself into trouble because of the way in which I came to the conflict, right? So yeah. assertive is great, but it's not the whole answer. You need to actually embody all of these. Okay. So pausing, these are movements through conflict. Okay. Um, typically that's your avoider and accommodator put those labels aside and recognize that what they're doing is they're pausing they're moving with the conflict away from it they don't want to talk about it because they need some space and time as opposed to avoiding i have never met an avoider who actually doesn't want resolution they all want resolution but when you label someone an avoider you already take away that opportunity for them to come back to the table that's strength if you want to call it that, yeah yes so the strength that they're doing is they're actually removing themselves and decreasing the emotional energy that they have right now by pausing. So that's that's kind of what they're doing. This is like really brief. Yeah, good. Asking and understanding. That's typical of the indirect communicator. So those who hint good. and hope like, oh, look at what time it is. You need to go. But we don't say you need to go. We go, oh, look at the time. I got to get back to work. We're hinting and hoping that you pick it up. Yeah. And instead of calling them indirect or passive aggressive, recognize what they're doing is they're asking and understanding. That's their movement through conflict. Their dominant movement is I need information, but they don't want to be direct because they want to make sure you still are okay in the relationship. You don't want to put the person on on defense mode, correct? That's exactly it. It's called saving face. That's the whole, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I have Mm -hmm. to hint at it because I wasn't taught how to say something nice in a way that is direct. Speaking, this is me. This is the one who's like attacking the problem or moving straight towards it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, the problem with speakers is uh, they don't leave room for anybody else to speak because yeah. <laughs> we have all the answers. <laughs> nice. And then doing. These are the people who are solving the problems, but they don't have to talk about it. 
right? So someone that works as it's cold in the office, they actually bring you a heater for your desk. They change the thermostat up a little higher. Yeah, right. That's it. Problems are. You don't have to think about it. You told me it's the direction. It's not that hard. Yeah. I got the details. Yeah. So there's these different styles, and I really just encourage people to abandon the labels and look at the movement, because Good. every successful resolution goes through all of those stages. I like is because you're giving people action versus just thought. Yes. And we have a dominant. I know I'm a speaker. So if I want to resolve conflict, I have to not speak. I need to pause. I actually need to go into my, my weakest area mm-hmm. and make space for somebody to hear what they have to say, to get curious, ask the questions. And then I can share my thoughts. And then we come up with a plan to do and we have to follow through. But it's all movement through. And if we focus on movement, we can get to resolution faster. I think a lot of it is you're, you're saying too, is once I understand, like you said, you're more of a speaker, my strength. Okay, how do I now bring that volume down a little bit, give people a chance to understand, chance mm-hmm. to pause, and then we can work together to get this thing taken care of so it's done. Yeah, and the, the craziest thing is this has all the answers. We have all the answers in us already. So if I'm pausing and I'm moving away from tension and conflict, and I'm in conflict with someone who's a speaker, I already know. Like We have this in all of us. We're in every quadrant. We know it. I already know that as a speaker, what I need to be is validated. So if I'm pausing, all I have to do is take that speaker and validate what they're sharing with me, and I will decrease their tension, and I will drain their ideas out of them, and then they will have space for mine. But it what? takes me knowing. It takes me knowing this stuff. Well, you're, you're giving someone the communication skills, like communication skills, like you mentioned earlier, to now understand, but also now how to let the other person listen to you to understand your side story, also, so you're both understanding each other. Yeah. And that's the greatest thing is we have all been in situations where we've walked away from conflict and moved away. We've all been in situations where we need more information to feel certainty, where we felt comfortable to share and where we've just solved. And because we know all of these quadrants, we know what the other person needs. And because we know what they need, we give that to them first and then we get towards resolution faster. You're not just a workplace helper. I'm going to say family therapist, couple therapist, everything. Everybody. Alone. Make sure you yeah. make sure you trademark that and, and, and copyright it because that's perfect. It is. Yeah. But this came from my, reflecting on my own journey. So this isn't just something that I came up with academically. Yeah. It was going back through my own journey of not seeing the signs. How do I how did I engage and how did that contribute to the problem? Because it absolutely did. Right. Um, I never went to pausing. I never went to asking. I was straight in speaking. You're going to see me. I'm right. You're wrong. I was just always in assertion and assertion didn't work. Which is why on defense mode. So that point, they're like, hey, look, we're just not going to deal with this. You're you're way too high volume for us. It's just I was doing what I thought you're supposed to do is be assertive. Right. And that speak out. Right. And it didn't work out. And so I had to ask myself why. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm doing what to tell me that's not working out. Why? And then as I went through my recovery journey. So this is multi years. This is not just overnight. I studied lateral violence, um, workplace bullying throughout my master's of nursing. While at the same time, I was teaching communication skills. So I was blending all of these three together. And in the reflection, this is what came to me. And like every successful resolution I've had, every single step has been a part of it. Say that one more time so people can understand it. Every successful resolution I've had, every one of those steps had to be journeyed through together. I couldn't abandon one of them because if I abandoned one of them, then the resolution didn't stick. Mm-hmm. So I had to go through all of those. You almost have to go through what's most uncomfortable to see the whole big picture, to actually have it resolved, not just 
yeah, we're okay today, but maybe tomorrow we're not going to be okay. Yeah, you have to be willing to go to the parts of you that you're not most comfortable with. It's like a city, right? Your house is in one quadrant of the city. You're most familiar with it. You know where everything is. That's my speaking zone. Um, there's another part of the city that you go to often when you like want to go shop somewhere different. You're really comfortable with that zone. Then there's a part where you just like the windows are rolled up, the doors are locked, you're white knuckling it through it because you're not comfortable yeah. in that area. That to me is the pausing area. It's not my strong suit. Mm-hmm. But when I tap into it and I get really care centered, it has so much power to be able to go into your opposite. And almost when you understand that, that's not your strong suit, but you also understand how that person should feel, look, and act. Then you understand when you're around someone who's a, who's a I want to call them a pauser. Yeah. And you can empathize with them. You can empathize with them. Hey, look, I understand where you're coming from. Let's work it out this way. So you can actually now be, if you want to call it work at a, a, a more level, uh, level playing field because now everyone's on the same page. Yeah. You know what they need because you recognize that person. You've been there. Mm-hmm. It's easy to give them safety when you can when you can empathize and say, okay, safety. there was a time when I moved away from conflict and I didn't want to talk about it either. I know it's because I didn't feel safe. Is that what you're feeling now? That's Good. it. You build the bridge. I know. Boom. I got goosebumps. Say <laughs> so much paperwork that way. So many phone calls to HR. Not only paperwork, but your mental health, your physical health. Mm. If people just get that alone, I think you'd save so many people at all levels the mm-hmm. headaches of sick time and everything else that people don't understand. And I work for my my office. I work for other companies. They have no. They have yes. They have things they'll watch. You have you watch videos like you had mentioned. Read pamphlets. Read mm-hmm. things and check yeah. the box that you've yeah. done it. Yeah. You've done you've done it. But do they actually apply it? Yeah. And, and knowing that. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's just the communication piece. How do I communicate with somebody here? Had I known. So my my boss, my bully, was a speaker as well. Yeah. We were both in this quadrant. Neither one of us, because the person in the speaking quadrant, what they need is validation. Neither one of us validated the other person. And because of that, we stayed spinning in this cycle. We never got to explore the other ones. Had I validated her, if I'd have known this then, and I could have said to her, hey, boss, this is a really good conversation. I really want to honor the time you've put into this and think about what you've shared with me. If I had validated her and just kept asking, is there anything else I need to know? What else do I need to know? Is that everything? And drained her of everything she wanted to share. She would have had space for mine. Yeah. But I didn't do it because I was stuck in there too. Nobody taught me how to do that. It's like two kings two kings on, on a on throne, right? You can't both sit there all the time. I'm going to take a step down so everyone can actually work together. Wow. Mm-hmm. And when, when you do help someone over the 12-month period, what kind of results have you seen so far? All right. So my whole claim to fame is you can change a relationship one conversation. That's all it takes is one conversation. But you got to okay. learn the tools to do it, and you have to practice it. Okay. So the changes I've seen can be dramatic. Uh, certainly in my own marriage, I've seen that. And these tools are not just for the workplace. But, again, speaking in my marriage as well, I have all the answers. We need to solve this problem. And when my husband would shut down, he would go to pausing. Mm. He didn't feel safe. He didn't want to mm. cause any further harm. I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought he was mm. avoiding. These are the terms that we use to people. And I thought he wasn't valuing me because I needed validation. Yeah. He needed safety. Once I figured that out, I could say I said to him, I'd like to try something new. It's completely awkward. It feels uncomfortable because I've never talked this way before. But I simply opened up with what I teach is called perception checking. Okay. And just as a quick example, I would say, um, 
when you don't come and follow me after I've walked away. Because I always want him to come after me to show mm -hmm. me he loved me. And he never did that, ever, in 15 years. We don't do that. So us guys yeah. are like, yeah, like yeah, I guess we're, we're done with this. Good. I'm going to go from here. See you later. <laughs> exactly. So I would say, when you don't come and follow me after we have a fight, is it because you don't love me? Because that's my truth. That's my story I'm saying. Or is it because, and I had to come up with something else. It stretches my mind to open up the possibilities. And so I can't think of what I said then. But let's just say, is it because... Um, you're too angry and you're afraid you're going to say something that hurts me. Help me understand. Yeah. And because of that shift, his defenses lowered. He came and he sat on the bed and we had a two hour conversation. And I learned so much more because I chose to park my thoughts and come into, I need to just take a moment here and understand you. I need to ask some questions so that we can share safely and then we can come yeah. up with a resolution. And, and a lot of it is going to be, you're open to understand the person versus having to debate and rebuttal what they're saying. Yeah. That last sentence, can you help me understand is really sharing. I have a confusion. I have a question. I have a thought, but I don't know if I have it right. Yeah. 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 And, and where does sarcasm take in this, this little square thing? Uh, sarcasm is up here asking and understanding because yes. sarcasm is avoiding. It's another way to be like passive aggressive punch in there. You don't say what you truly want to say. Yeah. And so you're hinting in a really harmful way that they pick up on it. And I would assume some people, when they become defensive, they almost want to, they sometimes maybe even blow up to get the whole conflict now just done. Aggressive. Aggressive, yep. That's still in the speaking. Mm -hmm. this is, there's two questions. Are you in flight or fight? This will tell you if you're walking away from or moving towards conflict. And okay. are you talking about the issue or not talking about the issue? Wow. That's great. And, yeah. So the aggressive is over here. They're in fight mode and they're talking about it. And you're going to hear me about it. And you're the problem. Yeah. And you're going to solve it. Yeah. That's still in the speaking mode. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, and a lot of what you're doing is just helping people understand, hey, we can get this thing taken care of. We don't have to be both at judges' throats. We can actually we can actually deal with this so we both understand the problem, we understand mm -hmm. how to fix it together, we work together to fix it. Yeah, and it's not easy. It's not always easy. I have a patient who is extubated, and I don't know how much time you have, so I can just talk forever. Yeah, five, whatever it is, five fine. Because it excites me. But I had a patient, we extubated him in the intensive care unit, and he immediately launched into all these insults. He was swearing at me, telling me I was the reason for his problems, tore down everything from me to the federal government as it relates to health care. Yeah. And while he was talking or angrily sharing his viewpoint, in my mind, I'm a speaker. I'm going into my list of reasons why he should trust me. And yeah. it's our natural defense, right? I'm right in fight mode. But something tweaked as he was continuing to talk. And I recognized his response didn't match the input. Mm. That shift, just saying to myself, this doesn't make sense. Why is he mad at me? I'm here to care for him. I've been helping him. This didn't make sense. I immediately went to the pausing. Got it. And I had to park, like there's a lot of things that happened in that quadrant. I had to park my perception and get really curious. And what I found out through asking him questions, hmm. I mean, I agreed with him. I said, hey, listen, I don't want you to stay here either. I also want you to go home. The mm -hmm. sooner the better. But I also want you to go home safely. So I could agree with my critic, with his perspective. But through the conversation, I found out that when he was younger, he had broken his jaw. Uh, and he'd been wired shut. And during that process, there were several times he thought he was going to die on his own secretions. Being intubated felt just like that. Oh gosh. And wow. I didn't know. 
So when he was extubated, he thought we were trying to kill him, right? He felt like we were trying to hasten that, that uh, foregone conclusion. Hearing him, validating him, letting him have that moment where he could share that. Four hours, six hours later, he was discharged. He was shaking the hands of every single person that he saw on the way out and thanking them for their care. Wow. And his mom was like, what did you do? <laughs> we drugged him. We just gave a bunch of drugs. I've never fine. seen him like this. That's what she said to me. And I, at first I said, I just listened because I didn't know what yeah. I was doing at the time. But now I know I had to suspend my thoughts and I had to really get into this process. You show that you cared by not talking. Um, by engaging. By, by recognizing, engaging. yeah. By, yeah. by asking the right questions of why you're having what's going on. Yeah, but I can also agree with him, right? Like, he's like, I don't want to F and be here. I want to go home. I'm like, yeah. cool. I don't want you here either. Like, we have the same goal. Yeah. For reasons, but we have the same goal. Now, how do we get you there safely so you never have to come back? Because I don't want you to come back either. <laughs> I think part of, part of when you care for someone, it's listening to understand so they understand that you care about what they're actually talking about and what their what their goals are at that point. Yeah, absolutely. It's just yeah. a caring connection, right? My three values are caring, connection, and curiosity. If I'm if I'm living in those, I know I'm doing really great work. When I'm mm -hmm. off of those and I feel like I have to defend or I'm, you know, thinking about something else, I know I'm not doing my best work. So if I can get back to that, I'm really good. Wow. And with your expo, I saw on your on your website too, your link to that. What is the expo about? So the expo we just wrapped up. Um, okay, good. How'd it go? It was fantastic. We had 600 people sign up. We had 20 speakers talking about everything related to leadership and communication. The sessions were so rich. You can still buy a, a ticket post and get all access to all the 20 sessions and their downloads. There's over $5,000 worth of um, programs and downloads that were offered. I don't know if they... There are some limits on some of them, so yeah. they may not all be available. But, yeah, you can still get access to all the sessions, which have been fabulous. See, I'm, I'm 47 years old, and my best, my best, if you want to call it be successful in practice, was not going to school, was not learning where the nerve goes from the neck down the arm, the hand, blah, blah, blah. It's about learning how to care for people through communication. And when yeah. I have my interns in my office and I have my – and I go to the classes and go talk to interns, the medical interns – a lot of it is communication, communication, communication. How do you show you care for someone by your, I want to, what would you call that behind you? Is that a four square? What would you, what, what do you trademark that? <laughs> That's my paused model. Pause model. Pause model, yeah. P-A-U-S-E-D, because every letter's there. P-A-U-S-E is for engaging, exploring options, and D is doing, yeah. So your pause model, if, if someone knows that and learns that and uses that on experiences and, and practices that, that's really, once you have the degree, this certificate to help somebody that's all you need in any any field out there or any relationship would help you be successful correct absolutely i yeah. think so I think absolutely so. listen my husband came in the door the other day he goes why are your socks at the front door seems like benign right yeah but I, I laughed i'm like oh he's in this quadrant he's in the fight he's talking about it directly and i kind of yeah. chuckled to myself because i knew exactly what he needed i just like, have to validate your concern and it's, like, yeah, I get it. You don't like the socks on the floor. It makes you feel like you don't keep a clean house. You get the big, you get versus the reaction of, hey, why are you, why are you yelling? Blah, blah, blah. So that's, yeah. yeah. You're, like I said, I you're like, the there. that's where I put them. That's where I leave them. So what's the big deal? I could have been defensive, but I knew what you needed. You're helping more than just people in the workplace. You're helping people to understand how to solve problems in general. 
without mm-hmm. having to go to war with every time you, you solve a problem. That's right. Yeah. But to feel safe doing so in a way that's still, so you can have a difficult conversation with confidence and in a way that still keeps your relationship intact. That's the goal for me. It still shows that you care about the other person, but you want to deal with the situation or problem, whatever it's going on. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And you know what? They're not, they're not all successful, um, but they're more successful when you have the tools and the strategies. Again, I'm taking my own personal notes so I can go home and actually practice some of these. My wife's not mad at me every day. Great. That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll come back and do a full class for you one day. Yes. And Tammy, anything else to wrap up for our show? I think you've given my audience a great way to communicate, but also deal with where we call I'm gonna call it harassment and bullying combination, so they can keep themselves healthy, then from there keep their workplace healthy at the same sense. Yeah, I think my final words would be just know that you are exercising a choice in every moment. You are choosing the feeling. I know it doesn't feel like that. I can promise you I know because I definitely have had some really negative feelings. I mean, I was diagnosed with anxiety, panic attacks, agoraphobia, afraid to leave my house. So, like, I was choosing all of that as a way to keep myself protected from the stressor. But when I chose differently, my life became different. So you get the power to choose every single moment in your life how you feel how you engage, how you react, and that is your power. And if you feel like you are powerless, please contact Tammy. Let her walk you through her steps that will make it make your life short-term, long-term easier and get back to where you feel comfortable and responsible and just living a normal, happy life. Mm-hmm. All right. So true. Thank you so Thank much you for Tammy. having me.